0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio. I always feel like there should be another gong there, you know?
0: <laughs> like as it comes
1: yeah. in, there should be. I'm going to bring my own gong, I'm going to add some. There it was. Or a bell. Is it a is it a bell, Dion? Or a gong. All right. All right. Welcome to Leadership in Action, my friends. This is SiriusXM, uh, Sirius XM, Business Radio. It's powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Jeff Klein. I am the executive director of the Ann and John McNulty Leadership Program here at the Wharton School, and I'm in the studio today with my co-host Ann Greenhall.
0: Hi, I am. Jeff. <laughs> Great How to are. be here. How are, with are you? Good. How are All right.
1: you? And for our listeners, I mean, you realize this because you're doing it, but you're listening to us at our new time, which we're still getting used to a little bit.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right? So we're live um, or pre-recorded every Friday at 9 a.m. Um, here on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132. And just to, you know, change comes in waves. A lot of times, right? And we've had our, our good colleague, Greg Shea, on the show uh, a number of times. And and he has told us, if you're trying to create change in an organization, um, use as many levers as you can. So, in the spirit of, of Greg Shea and his work on organizational change, um, we also have a new Twitter handle, right? So, that's another change that good. hopefully all our, our listeners are, are getting used to. Um, that handle is at SXM Business. And that is harder to say out loud. There's something about (laughs) SXM that uh, I always feel like I'm over enunciating. But at (laughs) SXM business is our new Twitter handle. Um, So you might be having a cup of coffee. Yeah. Friday at 9 a.m. Um, while you're listening to the show. And um, if you are, you're going to have, uh, you know, I think probably an extra special coffee experience today because we have in the studio with us Todd Carmichael, who is the co-founder and CEO of La Colombe. Um, he is on campus uh, today to meet with. Now, of course, yeah. we have this, right? The right. Wharton Coffee Club.
0: Right. What don't um, we have? <laughs>
1: which exists at the NBA level. Um, and so we want to welcome Todd to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, and Todd, if I can, I'm going to say just a little bit more about you. Sure. And then uh, we'll dive into a, a conversation that I, I hope is wide ranging and unpredictable.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll set the That's bar there. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's see. So, Todd, you and your best friend, JP, um, you opened your first cafe in Philadelphia in 1993. Yes, that's so. correct. Well, we came here in 93, opened it, the early part of 94. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And and now today, that that cafe, now was that cafe called La Colombe? Yes, it was. All right. Yeah. So La Colombe started early 1994 here in Philadelphia. It now provides coffee to the best cafes, hotels, restaurants, retailers around the world. Um, and you own and operate 34 cafes in A number of the major cities in the U.S., from here to Beverly Hills. Yeah. All right. Um, And if you're not so fortunate to be in one of the cities that has an active La Colombe cafe, you can purchase the La Colombe
2: draft latte. That's correct. (laughs) Across America. Yeah, about 75% of all stores in America now carry it. Yeah, fastest growing beverage. Uh, in the coffee category since time. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's really an explosive thing, yeah. All right. So, um,
1: I mean, l- let's just kind of dig in and get started if <laughs> sure. we can here. And um, I mean, I, I'm sure you've been asked this question, but I haven't asked you this question before. What what brought
2: you to Philadelphia? Oh, wow. Well, so, yeah, you know, I'd left the uh, United States in the beginning of 89. I left for uh, Europe because yep. I was interested in learning more about... Uh, the proper way of roasting coffee. I mean, uh-huh. Seattle's way was clearly this really heavy, hardcore carbon way of roasting. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in what was called profiling. And back mm-hmm. in the day, you know, you didn't have mentors, you didn't have an internet, you didn't right. have anything like that. And there was nothing in the library, so you would just have to go. And then you would know, sit at the foot of someone who knew what, was doing, what they were doing. Um, and then that led me into Africa, like Rwanda, Uganda, Burundi, um, Ethiopia, and starting to look at or kind of unraveling how to buy coffee from farms directly, Mm -hmm. something that hadn't been done before. Now, when I had that all figured out, I'd saved up about $90,000 by living in poverty, really. And uh, then I started looking for a city. And I knew I wanted somewhere in the east because Mm -hmm. the west already, they had this assumption that coffee was finished, like Mm -hmm. it had all been done before. And nothing had really hit the east coast yet. I mean, we were still drinking coffee out of those little Greek cups. Mm And that was it and i visited philadelphia and within an hour i said this is the place man you know it was it was a city that was on its knees Mm -hmm. both financially uh, the the crack cocaine epidemic was at its peak um homelessness there was clash between the people living in the suburbs and those living in the inner city which is perfect for a rebirth this city was gonna go somewhere and i wanted to be in on it
1: right on
2: and so yeah so we signed a a 50-year lease and because i'm in I just, I'm in. Just, let's do this. So and you signed a, you said a 50-year lease. Well, technically it's 25 years, <coughs> right. a 25-year renewable Okay. Uh, for, for kind of the prices in 1994. Right. Um, because I, I really wanted to make sure that, I mean, the value of any retail is uh, ultimately relates to the length of the lease. And I, I was really confident in, in the concept of coffee moving forward. Okay. And that was 26 years ago. Now, uh, we, we opened the first cafe. We had 200 bucks left in the bank account, literally. We took it out. <laughs> we took it out and put it in the cash register and said, holy shit, this better work. Right. And this year, they tell us that we're kind of valued around a billion dollars. Yeah, so yeah. so something worked. Something happened. Well, yeah, it worked. That yeah, was pretty really good.
1: And, and as you're opening up, I mean, if if, if I'm thinking back, is this during? Um, and this is this is a little Philadelphia insider <coughs> talk for our for our national listeners here. But is this during the Rendell administration and yeah. some of the
2: revitalization that was happening downtown? Listen, I couldn't. What one of the reasons I'm here is because of a hoagie with Ed Rendell. Okay. Okay. Oh, because great. I, as an entrepreneur, I was I was 30 years old because I, you know, I spent my 20s running around the world and kind of learning on a, everyone else's dime. And this was, um, now I, you know, so I was 30, so I wasn't a kid kid, but I thought like one. And I thought that it would make sense if I went to go meet the mayor mm-hmm. because I'm from a small <laughs> town where you could do that, right? Mm-hmm. But this was Philly and I didn't calculate it. And I went in and they said, yes, he's right in there. And so I went into Ed Rendell's office and then when I got in, I realized I I can't believe this is really happening. And he had a hoagie on his desk and he unwrapped it and he pulled it in half and he handed me one half. Mm. Because I said, I'm thinking about opening my business here. And he goes, have a seat and a sandwich. (laughs) Right (laughs) on. (laughs) By, By the time I finished that sandwich, I was in. He, that man could sell you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and Ed Rendell for our listeners was uh, mayor here in Philadelphia. Um, did did so much to bring business back into the the downtown area, the Rittenhouse area. Went on to be the governor of Pennsylvania, DNC chair, Outside. Yeah. Outspoken political uh, commentator now.
0: And uh, I can't believe you've overlooked one important detail.
1: Are are you going to mention his alumni status? I
0: am. All right. (laughs) A Wharton undergrad. Uh, Oh,
1: that makes sense. A
0: Wharton undergrad. That makes sense. And also, I know, Jeff, you appreciate this as I do a big. Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Enormous. Yeah. <Yes. laughs> so that, Enormous. that might
1: actually lead his profile, right? <clears throat> That's he, true. He's also was a governor. I don't <laughs> yes, know. Exactly. What, what, what they call him there?
0: the gov when they ask for his his opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, Todd, thank you for joining us. It's such such a great mm-hmm. story. I'm interested in opening and the fact that you opened up this business with your best friend. Yeah. That can go well or it could go really poorly. So sure. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of curious as you look back in retrospect. What were some of the secrets of success in that partnership?
2: Well, you know, I, I know there are folks who say never start a business with family or with uh, friends, and I don't believe that. What I believe is that you should start a business with someone who's a great match for you. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Don't go into business with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And they could be your cousin or your neighbor or someone you mm-hmm. just met. The wrong person is the wrong person. I think the friendship thing, often we ignore the fact that they, well, they're my friend, but they are the wrong person at the same time. Uh-huh. So I say, if you're going to get married, marry the right person. Um, Mine happened to be my brother and best friend. Mm. And, you know, one of the elements that make that work is that we are actually the, we're incredible opposites. I mean, he is zen by nature. And this guy, (laughs) his heartbeat never gets above 72. And he's not, his feathers never get ruffled. and He's just calm. Um, I am probably... Manic. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm just don't sleep, don't stop, keep going, keep going. But mm-hmm. when you put us both in the same room, the way he says it, he goes, we're like dogs. He goes, I'm the dog that sleeps on the porch and you're the dog that gets in the neighbor's trash. He goes, <laughs> you help me get off the porch and I, I keep you from getting in the trash, right? right? So together we help each other. And so 26 years in and I, you know, I look forward to the next 26.
0: Oh, that's so great. So yeah. in terms of responsibilities, if you're getting into the trash, what, what trash are you getting into and what kind yeah. of porch is he on?
2: So he has, okay, I remember when Bill Gates uh, was asked with Jobs sitting right next to him, you know, what is it that you admire most about this man Jobs? And he said that his sense of aesthetic. And you know that that's kind of where Gates mm-hmm. fell down. I mean, his things feel, they don't feel sexy. Nothing mm-hmm. feels sexy, mm-hmm. right? Operationally it's killer. But mm-hmm. JP is that. He has that piece <laughs> of genius. His sense of aesthetic and his sense of design and his sense of how to create space for people that they understand who we are, how to embed, you know, the the, the community around the cafe and the and the architecture that we're we're designing in and then injecting our brand into it in a way that no other human is capable of doing. And so he's like we we've never bought a piece of furniture. Everything is handmade. It's over uh-huh. his design, his oversight. Everything's him, and that's his love. That's his uh, that's his thing. And then if, with me, um, I'm a very vocal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. really engaged in, in you know big parts of the company. That he just says, you do you. Mm-hmm. And so together, I can be Bill. I can be Bill Gates, but people look at a column like Steve Jobs did it. Do you see what I'm saying? I do.
0: Yeah. I yeah. do. So good, Jeff.
1: <laughs> so, Todd, I, I I know about you that you have an adventurer spirit. A little bit, yeah. Right? And and I wonder, even, even before we get into kind of what that's meant and how that manifests itself in, in your personal life and, and in your role as a CEO of La Cologne, um, I just wondered,
2: do you know where it comes from? Yeah, I think that, you know, these sorts of things begin when you're young yeah the you know you're how you viewed the world and you know what it, how you wanted to engage it mm-hmm. you know I was raised um by a single mom there were four kids kind of we were farm labor and um so that meant when I got up in the morning mom gave me breakfast she would push the door open and she'd say go right that was my life mm-hmm. go discover And my mom did that to me day in day out and if she would let me do anything, I mean, I got in trouble for jumping on trains and stuff like that sometimes, or being away for too many days on end. But she she fed that, mm-hmm. and that fed into endurance. But then it started feeding into bigger, bigger, adventures. And at the same time, I, you know, I started learning how to repair uh, Briggs and Stratton lawnmower motors, but they're mm-hmm. the motors, right? And so I started fixing things and selling things, and I started realizing that I could make money by working with my hands mm-hmm. and telling stories. And so I, I knew that I wanted to do those two things. I wanted to make stuff and sell it, and I knew I wanted to explore. Hmm. And I was able to put those together later on in my life, and I just have never let them, uh, left them. That's it. When you look back, um,
1: what are some of your favorite adventures? And I know that's a loaded question, right? Because there's (laughs) there's lots of favorites within there. So I I don't want you to pick a favorite. But what are some of the ones that stand out as really exemplifying?
2: Well, you know, so I I could tell you stories of malaria and dengue fever and being held captive, being shot at, stabbed. I can tell you about rolling trucks. But the big one is being dropped alone with 275 pounds of food and fuel on the edge of Antarctica with only one way out. 700 miles uphill from, from sea level to 14,000 feet in the most inhospitable territory on the planet and touching the South Pole and doing it all alone yeah. in 39 days, 7 hours and 49 minutes, a brand new world record. That was hard. And that was just probably an adventure of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And
1: where did it come from for you? Like how uh, of all the very difficult things to do in the yeah. world?
2: Oh. Well, you know, I, th- I think it's like this, you know, you know, I remember getting my first bike right and I took like a brick maybe and a little piece of wood and I jumped I made a little jump <laughs> you know and it was tiny and I went over it a million times and but by the end of the summer it was like 90 bricks and then maybe two years later I'm jumping a truck and now I've got to motocross and we're jumping two trucks it's like you just slowly 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 yeah. build till you're doing something that's absolutely insane right <laughs> and that's what that was. It was going to that final level where I'm going to say, "All right, I'm going for evil Knievel's record here." Right. And it was it was that. How far can I go? So it was never really a moment. Although you know there was those things that you know, the decision when you where I was when I made the decision and then mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff kind of just feeds into it. But ultimately, it's that. It you'd have to put your finger on the South Pole and go back. When I was 45, right when I made that, go back 35 years when I got my first bike. Hmm. It's, it's kind of, wow, the this when it started. It's building and culminating. Yeah, you just keep adding.
1: Um, let me remind our listeners that this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and I'm in the studio with Anne Greenhall and Todd Carmichael, our guest, who is the co-founder and CEO of La Cologne Coffee. Um, I'm going to hand this back to Anne in one moment here. Um, but, but I do want to ask, and it, it's part of... Um, Part of I think why we carry the adventurer spirit in the way that we do. What did you learn from from that adventure, or from the series of adventurers uh, of adventures that that you've had? That's really informed the way that you lead La Cologne? Yeah.
2: The, I think the part of the Antarctic thing is was also the takeaway. Which okay, so back on the farms, where you have these oil tanks, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to take the stick once in a while, called dipping tanks, and you take the top off. and You put the stick down in the tank to see how deep it is and to see how much fuel's in there, right? And expeditions like this are that. Mm -hmm. So now you know what you can take, right? So, you know, I, I left at 235 pounds. I arrived at 162 pounds. My hands were black. My face was black. My left eye was frozen to the left. Three quarters of my lung capacity had been frozen. My internal organs are falling to pieces. I'm mm-hmm. completely emaciated. I can barely stand up when I touch the pole. Mm-hmm. That's how deep I am. I know I, I know. if I have to push for y- against you, that's how far I can go. And that's a secret that you can carry around. Like yeah. It's just you have this secret weapon now, and you know it. So I'm really difficult to compete against now because I know how to to wear a mountain down right and that that carry was big another one is that you you have okay here's another one passion doesn't count for anything mm-hmm. so when i announced that i was going to do this there were other expedition folk who, who went out on the ice and they all got there all pumped just pumped like passion passion and at base camp it was almost like irritable it was irritating <laughs> and but, you know, passion is an emotion, and it's a human emotion, and there are very few things that are as unreliable in the world as a human emotion. You know, you have it for two or three days. It's hot and it's heavy, but you wake up with a headache, What's well, over now. Mm-hmm. And I realized that all, well, all the passion guys, they busted out in three days. They were done. And I was alone on the ice. And what got me all the way there, even considering all that had happened to me, I realized that it wasn't passion at all. It was obsession. Mm. Obsession is the king. This is what you want to create in yourself, where there's no more choice. It's obsession. It's just pushing you from behind. You don't even really have to make an effort all the time, it's just being pushed from behind. And I realized at one point that obsession is, extends from something my sister told me when I was younger. She said, She said, Todd, go and your interests will follow. Don't <laughs> wait for passion to land on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I realized later in life that if you have something that's interesting to you, you can feed it. Could overfeed, it. and if you overfeed an interest, it becomes an obsession. And now you got the ingredients of greatness. Mm-hmm. So I try to, I try to do that within my own work at La Colombe. I become outrageously obsessed, and I create it in myself. And it's no one's going to rest until it's done.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, I'm really very moved by <laughs> what you're saying, and uh, I'm I'm going to ask a, a question. And if it's off target, you just tell me. Mm. Is there a downside?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, what happened, let, let's use Ant- Antarctica as an mm-hmm. example, right? The, and there, there are two. The, the immediate one is that, so within seven or eight days, there's this thing that came out of me, and I called him the beast. Mm-hmm. Okay, The beast didn't care. You know, he's like the honey badger, but worse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he didn't care about anything. Yeah, and all you would care about is this chant in his head, and it went like this, go, go, mm-hmm. go, 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 all the time, go, go. Mm-hmm go. Everything he's doing has got to be moving forward, got to be 14 hours a day. And if he's not, it's all about go, go, go. But then you touch the pole and he doesn't stop for nine months. All you can hear is go, go, Mm. go. And there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So it felt a bit maybe like PTSD. I couldn't sleep. I was up nightmares. It was just, I was just bad in my skin. It was difficult for me to focus and because there was a need that I didn't know how to, I didn't know what the need was, right? Right, right. It's putting the beast, I call him, back in the bottle, is often very hard. Or you have to replace the beast. We're going to find something for that puppy to do. Now, in business, there's always something to do. Right? <laughs> it's an expedition. You can't stay on them 24 7, you know?
0: Oh, uh, so good. I so appreciate that response. So, is it the case that um, at after that, expedition, you you did not feel like you had to do another expedition, you know, another challenge. Back to Jeff's question, whether it's, you know, Everest or just name yeah. name the uh, adventure.
2: Well, two, two weeks from the pole, I get on the sat phone with my wife and she says, we're going to be parents, right? So we adopted our first child. And so that was, a, I knew that was coming at me hard and heavy. Mm-hmm. But... When I was being Mm. taken away, so I find a a spot on a cargo flight, right? So you got to remember you're cargo. I mean, and I'm inside this cargo flight for eight hours, and and it's cold, and I'm laying in the dark on this floor, and I would fall asleep for 15 minutes, and then I'd wake up like I need to move, right? It was like I need to move. Mm. And so what I did was I put in the snack into my brain, saying, "Okay, I just set the world record for the coldest place on earth." Maybe I can do it in the hottest Death Valley, <laughs> and he went. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he felt okay about that, <laughs> and so yeah, I, I, I tried that. I did that twice, and so I did Death Valley, which which kind of helped. But by then, and Death Valley doesn't require the beast. It requires something else. Slow throttle because your your body wants to seize up, Mm -hmm. so you can't push yourself too hard. Mm -hmm. It's about negotiating that line between blowing your radiator and still moving. So it's a real patient, disciplined thing. So I didn't need him, so I didn't have to wake him up.
0: So great. (laughs) All right, Jeff, I'll let you follow up. That's wonderful. Thank you, Todd.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, it's interesting you, as we're talking about adventures here, um, you pointed to being a father and also Mm Um, running a business, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. and accurately,
2: you say, like, those adventures don't really end. They don't. No, those are <laughs> endless, right? right? Yeah, because we, we've adopted now four children from mm-hmm. Ethiopia, and so we have that. We have this crazy household with dogs and ho- ice hockey and gymnastics. And, and that's just, I love it because there's no moment where they say, at least within view, that, okay, you're done. Mm-hmm. You to, mm-hmm. I can stay on that ice forever. And business is the same, you know. A lot of folks uh, say they're like serial entrepreneurs, right, and that sounds like me, and I just said this a couple hours ago, but that's like, like I'm a serial father. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so <laughs> weird for my brain, like you, if you created something that you're there for the long haul, you know, I'm I'm not that guy, I don't build and flip, mm-hmm. you know. And I look at La Colombe and I hope hopefully one day they'll wheel me out of there with a little blanket on my knees and <laughs> breathing from some oxygen mask. And, Which i will have oh, some sort of coffee infused within <laughs> like it. Yeah, right? yeah, And then someone may even like put my picture on the wall, right? That's mm-hmm. just kind of like, it's kind of where I'm, I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. See, at the heart of leadership is endurance, you know, and the heart of, of startups and, and growing companies is endurance. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is my trade. This is where I started was endurance and saying, you know, it's like it's like looking at uh, the Tour de France. You know, some people just want to win a stage or two and get out. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: No, no, no. I want the yellow at the very end. This Mm -hmm. is why I'm in it. And it's stage after stage after stage. And ultimately, if I continue along the route I'm I'm doing and I make the right decisions, you know, in the gear and the people around me, then I'm going to blow the peloton apart and I'm going to be all alone. I'm going to come across that finish line. that's what i want
1: and with when when you think about the individual adventures um how do they correspond to um any notion of legacy that you have
2: yeah <laughs> yeah what they like are you talking about like the climbing and all that stuff
1: well any like uh, the climbing the the fatherhood
2: yeah. The well, the you know, the expedition stuff, I've kind of done that. The what's in that world, it's not about speed, it's about being a first, right? And you having a first is a really, really big deal, right? And I'm the first man to solo across Antarctica, right? Which is big. Mm-hmm. So, I'm um, the, the legacy's it. You can never talk about Antarctica or trekking it without mentioning this freaking guy from Philly, right? <laughs> and I like that. So, this you know, Philly, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> so like Philly, little right. in the house, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, the legacy for the business is that, you know, I hope that this company's platform continues to get so big that we can make a difference in the lives of other people, not just those that are invested, but stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And and move the idea of stewardship and leadership in a direction that other people might want to emulate. I mean, mm-hmm. This is kind of the idea. Like, you can be a decent human being and still make a company worth a billion bucks, and yeah. you can still help other people along the way. Yeah. It's doable. In fact, I think that they're, they're a perfect mosaic, and they fit together. You know, kind of... Stepping away from our grandfather's way of doing business or our father's and Mm -hmm. saying, no, this is the modern way. And hopefully that will be part of my legacy that people can say, you can be a decent person and kind and still crush it. Right? That's kind of the. And with the family, you know, obviously we have a a major genetic shakeup in the Carmichael lineage, which is great. (laughs) And they're all better people than I am. They're just so amazing. You know, they... You know, in everything from school to athletics to personality, I just look and go, dude, I really did a solid to the, the Carmichael name here. <laughs> 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 just like the, so there's The they're, legacy work's already <laughs> done, right? <laughs> That's it. I, I did my deal. The, uh, yeah. So the it's kind of all snapping on, on three levels, you know. the You know, having said that, I think what differentiates me from a lot of the guys is that, or guys and girls in, in business, is that I wouldn't allow myself to start a company in my 20s. Mm. I waited and I specifically this was a part of my thing it was like at 30 then I think I can be grown enough of it and when I look back and I think well I might have started after everyone else but but it's the reason why Luckholm is the way it is if I would have started it when I was 25 it would have been a wreck you just you just you just don't you can have it intellectually yeah but it's just emotionally do you have your shit together you know, can I say that on the yeah. studio? Yeah. Okay, that's right. Stern, <laughs> Stern's yeah, just Howard down Stern. the dial, right, exactly. so okay. we can pretty much do whatever we yeah. want here. Good, good,
1: We're in the studio today with Todd Carmichael, who's the co-founder and CEO of La Colombe Coffee. Uh, we've been talking about the role of adventure uh, in leadership. We've been talking a little bit about legacy um, and a little bit about obsession and perseverance. And I'm going to let you bring us back here.
0: Oh, Thank you so much. All right. You made a wonderful comment and I'm gonna go back to it. You said it's possible to be a decent and kind person. Yeah. And crush it.
2: And crush it. So
0: I'd like to know a little bit more about how you do that.
2: Well, let's see. Let's begin with the reason we get up in the morning. Okay. And you could get up in the morning because you need to make money. And but the amount of energy you're going to put into that is going to be reasonably small, right? Because particularly as you earn more and more, it's just, I, I can just tell you, it's just not enough for me. It's just like, I, I'd rather sleep in. I'd rather take five, <laughs> you know, get more hours with my <laughs> coffee. There has to be something more about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that thing is the your aspiration. What's your aspiration? You know? And so you have to... You have to figure out personally what your aspirations are. And then then you line up the rest of your life kind of behind those aspirations. And you'll find it's, it's a lot easier to, to achieve them, but also it's, it's, it, it helps you become more obsessed about your work and, and more uh, pleased by it because you're moving towards something that is way, way bigger than you, right? The, also, you know, the Supreme Court has decided that you're allowed to create a human being. They call it a corporation, right? And so if you're going to bother to create a human being, then make mm-hmm. one. Don't make a robot. Make a human being. And that means it has even flaws, you know, it mm-hmm. has emotions, and it has beliefs, and it has hopefully a sense of decency to it, right? So you, when I think of Lacoulême, I mm-hmm. think of him, and I know exactly who he is and how he believes and breathes, right? He's a decent person, but he's also a fierce competitor, right? Because ultimately he wants to achieve his aspirations. So. Being the driver of that entity, right, and that's really all I am. You know, it's you're you're the one that gets control the you know bits and pieces to this this person that you've created. You get to know them really really well, but also you you can see why they're making those sorts of decisions. Like, why would you why would you do that? Why would that company do that? At the end of the day, you got to be careful of something else, which is like I don't think you should ever drink La Cologne because I don't beat my dog. Right? It's not. I mean, there's certain expectations you should have to meet right off out of the bat. Mm-hmm. And then maybe some of the extra stuff is because, you know, you really want to create. If you're going to have a child, for example, don't you want your child to grow up to be a decent human being? Be mm-hmm. mm-hmm. strong and knowledgeable and all those different things. But the softer traits, right? Kindness is a great one. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to teach your child kindness? Well, teach your company time kindness. It's the same thing. And it turns out that people are more interested in working for companies like that, too. You know, um, the luck home turnover rate is uh, probably lower than prison because, like, no <laughs> one leaves, right? We and even for in our retail, where I like, guess about three percent, you know, in brick-and-mortar, people don't leave. I still have my first, I don't know, twenty employees. It's been twenty-six years mm-hmm. because people are there for those same reasons. Um, so when you ball it all together, you you realize that 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 the leadership is is really just you know injecting reality into your company and the you know, bits and pieces to a real individual. You get to move the pieces around. That's a real honor to do. But then when it's all kind of said and done, you got to be doing it for, for a reason. There's mm. got to be a reason behind this thing.
0: So good. If I could just press you a little bit on that aspiration, and, and uh, Jeff will remember a faculty member who's no longer here but was here. Paul Tiffany used to do a great analysis of the Kodak case, and mm. one of his One of his wonderful flourishes was Kodak did not sell film. Kodak sold memories. Mm -hmm. So when you think about aspirations, what is the aspiration of this being that you've created?
2: Our aspiration is to build a platform big enough that we can influence the world around us, that we can influence our communities as well as countries. We want influence. That's what we want. Because there's things around us that we think they need to change, you know? (laughs) And so we would like to use our might to help change that. And, you know, you can even see it now, what, what Luckholm was able to do. You know, theres I don't believe there are many senators that are left that don't know who I am. And some of them run scared when they see me, <laughs> some don't. Um, and, you know, in the communities around us, we're getting to that point where, like, right now, I'm at Wharton speaking into a microphone. Yeah. This is my opportunity right. to influence. You know, and it's Luckholm that made that possible.
0: So good. Jeff. Todd, if we can, let... Let,
1: let's start at the notion of the the community mm-hmm. um, and and La Colombe and its its relationship and its heritage here in Philadelphia. Um, how did you learn, as a CEO, how to engage in the Philadelphia community right. and and the, the kinds of impacts that could even be possible?
2: Yeah, it's true because when you start out, this is not where you are. Yeah. you know, you're two guys. Just Making every single decision from like what straws to when do we change that light bulb. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just as entrepreneurs, you're kind of in that that nitty gritty piece. And as the arc, as the you know the the world really started kind of developing around us, and the companies started really growing within it, and I started making this arc, then it starts to move closer and closer. to That I think um, the real big big first piece was uh, HIV AIDS in Africa. Um, what was happening to communities that I'd worked with for a long time. Mm-hmm when you see it just like fraying away like wet tissue all around mm-hmm. you, you know, and you saw the advent of orphanages in Africa. It's mm-hmm. never existed, Cause, you know, because mm-hmm. family took care of family, but there wasn't enough adults alive mm-hmm. that you you begin, and this was during the, the George Bush Jr. Year, years, and I got to tell you, I might not fly politically along those same lines, but what he did in Africa was outrageous. I mean, he, he did more for, for Africa than I think any other president prior or mm-hmm. since. And... And, and uh, anyway, that's when I realized that we were just big enough that we can really help. And it, this was a desperate enough problem that we can engage ourselves. And so we did. It kind of led to different orphanages and it actually in, it led to my family. Mm-hmm. And then once I kind of broke that, you know, kind of membrane and I got used to that thinking, then it was easier for me to come home and I kind of apply it here, but in a softer way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be seen. You know, when I was in college, I was a freaking activist, sure. You know, and in and in many ways, I still remain that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I march with my kids. I'm showing them how the proper way to make signs. And <laughs> but but I, I don't think that's what my company wants from me. I don't. I'm not a window breaker. That's mm-hmm. not the point. You know. So I've I've entered this arena in a softer way. And usually, the best way to do it is you draw people together and the people, uh, other business folks in Philadelphia that have been nervous about maybe coming out of the, that closet mm-hmm. and assisting. So I started with other business leaders. Um, then started in Harrisburg Then you really start getting your ground. And I mean, I'm doing everything from going to coal mines and parts of the state. Yeah. And then you start getting your chops. (laughs) And then ultimately the entire time you're talking with your own teams back home from baristas all the way to the accounting department. Like what really inspires people? Like, where are they? Like, what, what's our subject matter? And then after a while you start getting comfortable with the notion that, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, La them has a voice box. It just happens to be implanted in my mouth. Mm-hmm. and that you can speak for this company and everyone inside of it and uh, you know we're going we're gonna to continue now we get involved in, in lots of different unrelated projects too because I'll have a team come to me that are just like a, almost in tears saying we got to do something about this and we'll just all jump into it together mm-hmm. you know like Western Philly there was a school bill there's a a uh, lunch bill that was out—it was like twenty-two thousand dollars. So it's not like this huge mm-hmm. thing, but it's a part of the state where you know most of the people live below the poverty line. And, and, and this was old... this was
1: the case where they were threatening, like, yeah, foster they're gonna, care. They're
2: and... Put the kids in foster care, which is crazy. Right. This, this hit my radar screen, and I, it was really like an employee goes, "Can you fucking believe that this is happening?" And then you go, "Okay, let's do something about it." Right? We can now. We know our way around this circuitry now. And which now has gotten deeper and deeper into that whole kind of lunch shaming and the, and yeah. the rest of it. So working on it,
1: but but as I if, if I could just ask you about that, what what I recall from that case is there was this twenty two thousand dollar bill, um, yeah. and you had offered you had offered to to pay that bill basically, and and, yeah. and which would absolve the families of any debt they were carrying. Right. Um, also, sort of sidestep this kind of odd threat that had been made around foster care. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as I recall, the, the school board rejected your offer first,
2: yeah, and then came no. back around. Well, then, but, well, I got to be—I got admitted. I used a little maybe celebrity uh-huh. there, and so I wrote a tiny little op-ed on my phone and sent it to their local newspaper, got it, thinking that I would put some press, you know, mm. some press yeah. pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I didn't know was that the entire planet Earth would pick up on that piece. I mean, it went mm-hmm. freaking galactic right. <laughs> like, and and it would it happened while i was on a flight going from like one coast to the next when i landed literally news crews were like waiting oh, for wow. me i was okay. like what the hell just happened <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so they had to uh, form a you know a, a emergency meeting and they voted mm-hmm. what they would take it or not and we we won but barely five to four yeah which is crazy it's mm-hmm. like and you want to, can I just share with you, the, the yeah. reasoning there was that it was like the nanny state. And I'm like, there's no state. I'm a neighbor paying for lunch. For, I'm paying for your tater tots, okay? Yeah. There's no nanny here. This is just a gift. That's right. it. Mm-hmm. They didn't want that because they felt that I was, that, I don't know, I was doing something wrong. But mm-hmm. there you go. They took it. There you mm-hmm. go. See, it's that like competition. Just jam it down the throats, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in the kindest, in of, the ways. kindest of ways.
2: <laughs> Force you. <Yes.
1: we> <laughs> All right. So l- let me remind our listeners again. <laughs> Please this do. This is leadership in action. We're on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Uh, Jeff Klein and Greenhall here in the studio with Todd Carmichael, who's the co-founder and CEO of La Colom Coffee, and, and and we're in a really interesting conversation mm-hmm. about the role that you know both leaders as well as uh, Businesses can play within communities. So, Anne, why don't we uh, turn this over to you for a bit?
0: Oh, Jeff, I might take us off track. And uh, again, forgive me if I should know and I don't know the answer. But, Todd, your organization, you've given birth to this organization. You think of it as a being and you want it to be kind and you also want it to be highly competitive. Mm-hmm. Names are so important, at least. I yeah. think names are important. So can you tell me a little bit about the name of the organization and how that came about?
2: The name Lacolome? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was living in the south of France and um, kind of working between the south of France and Monte Carlo in Italy. And uh, my a business partner and I, can, we'd kind of formulated general ideas and concepts uh, to create a business plan. So I started writing it there. This been the old days, like writing it by hand, you know. Right. And... Um, I started thinking about the things that we wanted to do, which is one we want to we want to go to origin and we want to buy coffee direct. And what you find out, the coffee's grown in you know isolated countries, but these are the most isolated parts of those isolated cu- countries. So you, when you get up in the mountains, it's mostly indigenous languages. They don't speak the language of the company or the country, right? And symbolism is really really key. Mm-hmm. So when you show up, like I'm thinking of, like when you show up in a, in a village that. Like in Finisterre, Papua New Guinea, right, where a gringo hasn't been in 60 years, and you come up that hill, the panic is pretty intense. I mean, Mm. people are frightened. And they're looking at you for any sign of who you are. And I wanted to wear a symbol that meant the sign of international peace. So that would be the dove. Which is the French word, and but it, I didn't want to call it Dove because there's like <laughs> soap in the chocolate. That's oh, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> but I'm writing this in in France, so I just write La Colombe, and then by my business partner, I agreed that should be it. You know, so La Colombe is is that I come in peace, mm.
0: <laughs> and crushing it, <laughs>
2: and crushing
0: it. <laughs> I love like, this. Like... I love this image, really. <laughs> yeah. We're all we're all oxymoron. We right? are, and so so great. <laughs> So, in, if, just to pick up the thread on business and society, so what's, what's next? You know, what, you, you, you want to have a voice, you have a voice through the company. What's next on the horizon?
2: Well, I would like to see, hopefully, a, a number of uh, the business leaders in this area want to join forces and say, you know, we can be both progressive, we can be capitalists, and we can be genuine, and mm-hmm. we can be decent and we could, we could also come, you know, respond to our responsibilities and we won't lose our businesses over it. You know, I think in so many ways that businesses like mine, we've run up the score so high right now that this, this game could tilt. And I think we should be nervous about that. I think progressive thinking and generosity mm-hmm. is going to save capitalism, mm-hmm. but we just can't be afraid of it. And I'd like to see if I can be a poster child to that to say, well, the guy says what he likes. He doesn't filter himself. He does decent things, and he keeps climbing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do that, too. It would be cool. Right? There, there are. Like at Patagonia. You look yeah. at, mm-hmm. Right yeah, now, I'm, right. I'm madly in love with dicks. The, there's, there are companies out there that are toying with the idea, and they're mostly f- you know sitting in, on the West Coast, but mm-hmm. eventually, hopefully, that philosophy will come to the East Coast. So I'd like to see that. And, um, you know, like the first week or two of, of La Coloma. I, I said these two things, you know. I want the world to come to Philly for their coffee. So I still have that finish, but it's getting really damn close, guys. It's getting really damn close. And I want to know what's at the end of this trail I'm on that begins those years ago. What's the end of it? Mm. What's the end? You know, I mean, look. I, there was a movie made. I had a TV series. I've been, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the adventures that I've been on, I can't even begin. And all I've been doing is just following this damn path. And all that stuff happened, right? It's just like, all I need to do is get up early in the morning, lean into it. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's got to be more. And I want to see what it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe a moon landing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but tell me if I'm wrong. My, my instinct about you is you want to see what it is, but you don't want to see what it is until the last
2: day either. Oh yeah, no, right. I don't want. Don't tell me my fortune yet. Yeah. I want to live it. You know. And so again, I'm not a, I'm not going to grow to flip it. Uh, you know, I th- I there's probably going to be a public offering at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that if you you have international ambitions, you just simply have to face that noise. Um probably do a raise in the next year or so and then probably something public so the that so make, make sure that the company gets what it wants before it heads out international which mm-hmm. is you know good war chest and um, and see if I can't be a you know a leader in the public arena like that you know it's maybe that's part of my early ambitions I was told my freshman year in college that I would never be a CEO of a publicly traded company and so I told him you watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's probably dead by now. but uh,
2: the, It wasn't you watch. I was like, well, I'll be the first then. You know, it's like, because kids don't come off farms. Kids don't have my background. and never get in to be a CEO. And I'd like to prove that they can. Mm. Right.
0: What did you study, Todd? What was your major?
2: Well, I studied accounting and tax law. Um, at the business school at the University of Washington. Yep. Mm. You know, when you're first generation uh, education like that, we tend to move towards things that are Kind I'm of tickle. vocational, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. My, da- my dad was first gen and accounting in Texas. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what <laughs> so. we do. And he got to wear a tie. And then you send that picture back home. And then yeah. mom shows that to all her friends. And, and then you quit that job in two years and go to France, right? She cries. And then you come back to America and you explain to her that you're going to uh, open a coffee company. And she thought that was the worst thing that it, she'd ever heard. Because the entrepreneurism and this stuff was mm-hmm. not a thing. It's not a word she understands, or even though it's ingrained in the soul, he's <laughs> yeah, a farmer, exactly. right? That's totally, <laughs> but it's just like, what? like, just, you know, to become a professional where it ties the yeah. highest ap- oh. aspiration and to, to hustle for money and to make coffee for people is something that, that you don't do, right? That's like working at the diner, mm-hmm. which my mom did, yeah. and so you go, well. She got over it, went about Mm. three or four years, and she went, oh.
0: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah,
2: (laughs) She understood
0: the aspiration. Yeah,
2: she gets it.
1: (laughs) Why do you think that capitalism gets set up in
2: opposition to kindness and compassion so often? Well, I think that capitalism prior to like 1985 wasn't. I think there's been a massive shift, Mm -hmm. and we have this kind of wandering definition of what capitalism is. I would like to go back to the original version. Like, you know, version 1.0 was right. probably the better one. Okay. This one is uh, is really dangerous. It works for people like me, and it's great, you know, sure, but it's really frickin' dangerous. Um, because it does, and right now, more and more, you see people begin thinking that business and people are opposed. Yeah. And that's mm. not true. You know, if, even if you go to, like... The you know, business meetings and things that I've been in, you hear this getting, you know, layered in in the conversation, it's people against businesses mm-hmm. no, no, they belong in the same direction but ultimately that stems from how we're redefining slowly this concept of capitalism, that yeah. it's just a wildfire we can just let go and burn everything down it's like, right. no, no, it is a tool that, that primates like us, advanced mm-hmm. primates could use right, to organize ourselves and our economies, it's like fire you can make a bonfire, or you can burn the damn building down. And I'm afraid that sometimes we say, "Hey, fire is fire; capitalism is capitalism. Just mm-hmm. let it rip." And right. you go, "No, no, 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 no! It needs to be harnessed, and it needs to be." And this is the word that hurts business guys because we are all freaking egomaniacs. <laughs> needs to be controlled. We hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> but if it goes too far, we've seen it in society after yeah. society for millennia. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It breaks eventually. And if it, it's breaking because too much of the wealth is being squished to the top view on the right. very top, and I, I know I sound like a candidate, but it's just factually true. There used to be this kind of wealth that was half shared, half between um, kind of those that are that that are the, the working class. But mm-hmm. I'm saying everything from middle class all the way down, those that are actually the capitalists. So you'd have 50% in capital, 50% in in people, right. and now it's 65. Yep, it's running wild. And you go, okay, no, this is a flood now. We mm-hmm. need to. Bail some of the stuff out. And so I think it's some of it's just getting over the fact that you, you want to be extremist on your side of the party to say, no, 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 no. We mm-hmm. we need to save the company. Mm-hmm. You need to save the mechanism first. Like when you you run out of oxygen on your airplane, put your mask on yeah. first. Then, you know, and the, the mask on the, on the adult in this case is we, should, we have to make sure that capitalism as it stands is healthy. And it's not right now. Yeah, it just says, And it sounds preachy, but it's not just like I can see it. And there's a huge concern. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I would like to think that other business leaders would look around and go, OK, it's like farming. OK, remember the the dust bowls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're over farming the freaking soil. What's going to happen is disastrous. We're pushing, we're letting this capitalist thing really, really flame out of control. What you need to do is put nutrients back in the soil. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of uh, the windbreaks. You need to allow these trees go. and it's, it, We need to, Take care of the soil that we have, and we're not doing that. And so, when, and I, I should note
1: we're we're getting right to the end of our time here. Um, but when when I hear your comments, and then I you know I, I think back to earlier in the fall and uh, the statements out of the business roundtable, and you know Jamie Dimon's on the cover of every newspaper, <laughs> yeah. and folks like that. I mean, do you think that there is? Um, A growing amount of awareness and a willingness to attack these issues or, you know, how much of that is real and how much of that is...
2: Well, I mean, look, Jamie's saying the same thing I'm saying. Yeah. He said in front of, you know, it's like, I think that it's really going to be Washington, D.C. that has to wake up from its nightmare, whatever, whatever trance it's in Mm -hmm. and say, guys, the country actually needs you to do some work now. Because this fire is getting out of control. There's this knee-jerk response. It's like, well, Mr. Carmichael, that's great. Why don't you just send a billion-dollar check to the government? It's like, no, 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 all of us. I'm in. right. And mm-hmm. all of us should think this way. But the people who are really holding the keys to that are actually the guys who have job titles like mine. And they need to get serious. And they need to go to D.C. and make a few call, phone calls and say, God, we can we can let up a little bit here because we need to pour more <clears> back <throat> into the economy. Right, mm-hmm. Todd, we've had a great yeah, conversation.
1: Well, thank with you, you so much, Thank you for thank joining thank us you. You. here in it's the a studio. Pleasure. All right. So, Anne, um,
0: what would you like to say? (laughs) I'm speechless. (laughs) Really, just to thank Todd so much for, you know, your words, your wisdom, your leadership and your influence. And uh, I I sincerely hope you are completely successful in your aspirations.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right, and we talked a lot today about um, both the obsession side of leadership as well as the endurance side of it, right? And I think yeah. you you heard both of those come through in, in this conversation with and Todd the Carmichael. And
0: kindness and the decency, yeah, which we've seen before us as well.
1: Yeah. Well, know, I, yeah, I, I try to be decent all the time, right? just as, as partners. <laughs> and I know I'm constantly
0: time. crushing it. All right,
1: constantly crushing it. Um, Todd, how do listeners find out more about La Colombe?
2: I guess you would begin on the website, right? So, lacalum.com. Um That's a good way. Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, we've, just, we've been around so long that if you've even just a, gotten a Google search and clicked around, it's kind of fun. Okay. You can go on YouTube and see videos on how to crush your coffee at home and lots of ways to interact with us. All right. Well, thanks again, Todd. I mm-hmm.
1: want to thank our listeners for joining us. If you have a question about something you heard on today's show, you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com and be sure to follow our show on our, and I said this before, (laughs) it's our new Twitter handle. Ready? It's at SXM Business. That's at S-X-M business. Still the (laughs) hardest thing to say. (laughs) All right. Once again, a special thank you to our guest, Todd Carmichael, who is the co-founder and CEO of La Colombe.
0: For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.